378 volunteers have never really been involved with a church that uh, has that kind of uh, commitment, but there's always need for more, so don't hide behind those 378. If God is speaking to you, then there's a table right outside the door here. We encourage you to come by and uh, put your name in, and uh, God <clears throat> will find a place for you. Uh, also, if you don't have a vested interest in children's ministry, just stop by and say thank you. Uh, because this, this is all not part of the heavenly Jerusalem. It just doesn't descend from on high. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort, and, uh, and God blesses it with, uh, graciously, but it, it still involves a, a lot of people. And if you're watching by Internet today, we want to welcome you. Uh, if you're local and you've never been to ACAC, we want to invite you to an uh, up-close-and-personal live experience with us. But uh, put a comment on the uh, uh, on Facebook and let us know <clears throat> excuse me, where you're from, where you're watching from. But uh, if all you can do is make it by Internet, we are glad you are here. Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover today. I, I want to... I put out on social media uh, to read uh, John chapter 4. I'm not sure if everybody got the message. So we're going to look at 25 verses out of John chapter 4. So let's jump right into it so we can uh, be sensitive to your time. In John, <clears throat> excuse me, chapter 4, verses 4, starting at verse 4. Now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman? How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Now Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is... You've had five husbands, and the man you have now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me. A time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. And the title of my message is unimaginatively, 
truth. Let's pray. Father, we ask, as we always do, for two miracles. One would be the miracle of speech, that you would empower me now to speak the words that you would want to say to these, your people. Uh, that'll require a miracle, but I surrender all my faculties and my being for that very purpose. I pray that you would help me to say more than I intended to say. And Lord, the second miracle will be the miracle of hearing that somehow we will be able to come from all of our different vantage points and cut through culture and prejudices and meanings and vocabulary and the pressures of the day and the week and have an opportunity to hear from you and go home and say there was something just for me. Now that'll require a miracle, but you're a miracle-working God. And so to, together, speaker and listeners, we join together that we may have an encounter with you through your word, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, and as we delve into God's word, may the Lord be with you. Now, I always I like to give you a point to remember. It kind of guides our way and it brings me back as I tend to meander and stray. The point today is God requires those who worship him to pursue and then walk in two kinds of truth. Two kinds of truth. Point number one, Jesus and the woman, the story we just read, went back and forth in conversation and the woman really tried to control what was going on. I'm sure you've never done that in your encounters with the Lord. I know, well, I have. Get into my prayer time and I've got my laundry list, you know, bless Aunt Matilda, heal her goiter, you know, just be with my family and, 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 and you know, be, be with me. I got this, this thing coming up on Tuesday, Lord. I need your help. And I give him some advice and some pointers and, 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 that, and, and I do the same thing in church. You know, I, I, I come with my needs or, or what I'm hoping will happen. I try to control where the process goes. Now, this, this, this interchange between Jesus and the woman is just so fascinating to me. When you, you look at the back and forth, Jesus asked for water, and the woman wanted to talk about the differences between Samaritans and Jews. Jesus talked about worship, and the woman wanted to talk about the well and who used to drink at the well, and that the well was superior, a spiritual place, to where Jesus had come from in Jerusalem. Jesus talked about her sin, but she wanted to discuss doctrinal issues. Now, earlier in the week when I first posted that, that I, I was preaching, I had put my title as Rope-A-Dope. And we just kind of moved away from that, didn't think it quite worked. But if you're familiar with boxing and the, and the career of Muhammad Ali, uh, back in the 70s, uh, he developed a strategy, I think when he was first fighting George Foreman, that uh, became known as rope-a-dope. And rope-a-dope was he, he, he pinned himself against the ropes, and he covered up, acting like he was in trouble, so his opponent would just flail away, but it was a very specific strategy to get his opponent to punch himself out. And that's what the woman was trying to do with Jesus. She wanted to get in some body shots. We Samaritans are superior. We're not just as good as Jews. We are better than so we really just want to replace you in the hierarchy of prejudices. We have a superior place. But she figures eventually he's just passing through. She knows where he's going. She just has to hold her own. 
Maybe she can win a few points, but she's rope-a-doping Jesus. He's going to punch himself out. He's going to get tired of this discussion, and he's going to go away, and she can still feel pretty good about herself. Now, point number two, the woman believed that she possessed correct doctrine, and she was determined she wanted to prove it to Jesus. She, she, the, the woman wanted to argue with Jesus. She wanted to stick it to her Jewish cousin and prove that she was right. We all want to be right. Well, I can't drag you into this. I want to be right. I don't want to be right some of the time. I want to be right all of the time. I want to engage you in debate, and I want to convince you. I want to overwhelm you, overpower you if I have to with information to prove that I'm right. I, I want to set a time for where I need to be someplace, and I want to race the clock to get there, run over squirrels, go through school zones, go up on sidewalks, whatever it takes, because my time is more important than anybody else's time. I want to win. This woman wanted to win. And we have fallen sometimes into the trap that correct doctrine is the most important aspect of our walk with the Lord. If we believe correctly, that's, that's what honors God. This woman was in no place to be a, a, a theologian or a moral authority on anything, but that didn't prevent her from trying, and it's never prevented me either. If I could just get right... If you just tell me the rules, I go to church. You know, I, I, I raise my hand sort of, not all the way. I mean, is that, is that okay? I, I, I put $2 in the offering. I'd like some change, but if I can't get it, you keep it. <laughs> I stuck in my thumb and I pull out a spiritual plum and I say, what a good boy am I. I believed right about the Holy Spirit. I believed right about Jesus. Take that. <laughs> and all you other sects and cults and everything, y'all going to hell. <laughs> it's right doctrine, truth, justice, in my American way. Uh. <laughs> Go to his church, people come on Easter, it's, they're doing God a favor, they come. We have to put out extra chairs. People walk in all proud. They're coming to church once a year. And you know, you know they're visitors because they're sitting in your place. This is my mural. This is, how dare you? I paid for this seat. That $2 seat, that's the, that's the bleachers. People should come to church on Easter. Give testimony to, the, to add their affirmation to the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. But the demons believe that. It's not whether you believe in the resurrection only. It's what you do with the resurrection power in your daily life. Is it showing up in your relationships? Is it making you a resurrection power worker, resurrection power student, resurrection power husband, resurrection power wife, resurrection power neighbor? I am doing, doing the best I can, honey. It's not easy. 
I maintain, and I think the Bible bears this out, that it is what we do with our correct doctrine that is the key issue in our walk with the Lord. But it's a whole lot easier just to believe it. Now, what's more, point number three, she appealed to her spiritual heritage in addition to her correct doctrine. Her ethnicity gave her privilege. It's a big word today, isn't it? Privilege. He's not going there, is he? Some of you are already on the divine. This better be what I believe. <laughs> Let's put the map up, Greg. Save me. Do a little review. We did this the last time. Jesus was way down here in Jerusalem in the area called Judah. That's where we get the name Jews. He was there for worship. He was there on official business. His adopted town was Capernaum up on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. So Jesus is walking home. And he gets as far as Sychar in Samaria. Now, the Samaritans, the last time I preached, we talked about this is where the ten tribes of Israel settled. And in the 8th century B.C., they were so far gone that God gave them over to their sinful ways. The Assyrians came from the north, conquered Samaria, left Judah alone for the time being, took all the... Jews away, left a remnant, and the Assyrians settled here and intermarried with those who were left. And they became half-breeds. And John doesn't say, in the past tense, Jews did not associate with Samaritans. When he wrote his gospel decades after Jesus was here, Jews still didn't have anything to do with Samaritans. Many of them, when they went home to Galilee, they went around. So they wouldn't have to encounter women like he encountered at the well. Not that she was a woman, she was a Samaritan. And the woman was surprised. And, and she's engaging Jesus. <laughs> you, you guys don't usually do this. You must really want water. <laughs> so she's saying, you know, we Samaritans, we really are the ones that have our act together. You guys are the ones that are messed up. Don't we see that on social media? Don't we see it constantly? One side, various sides, knowing they have the truth. She thought she believed the right thing about where to worship, plus she had the right genes. She had the right heritage, which gave her privilege. See, we didn't invent racism. It didn't start in the 16th century. It started in the garden. Ever since the garden... Men and women have been looking for other people to dominate and to prove that they are superior because they're so terrified and fearful because of their moral state apart from God. I can take you to any country I've been. I'm going to Kenya on Thursday. The Kikuyu tribe dominates all the other tribes. They hate them. 2007, when the Kikuyu were, were accused of stealing the election... Ethnic violence broke out. People ran into churches. And the one tribe burned the church down with the other tribe in it. Oh. See, we're the only ones that can identify the problem. And we're the only ones with the solution. 
But even though we know the problem and have the solution, we can barely walk it out ourselves. That's how deeply we fell when Adam and Eve did what they did. And this woman was doing exactly the same thing that the Jews were doing. We're better than you. We're no, we're better than you. Our doctrine is better than you. No, our doctrine is better than yours. Don't think it's a male or female thing either. It's a human thing. Now, point number four, in the midst of all this, because of her preconceived notions, she could not comprehend what Jesus was saying. She wasn't listening, but she was intent on speaking and that caused her to ramble and go from topic to topic because she wanted to win. Over my 45-year experience with the Lord, I've said myself, and I've heard many people, I've heard many people say, if the Lord would only speak to me, like it would solve all of our problems. But the challenge is, he may be speaking, and I can't hear him. I'll give you an example. You ever been in a room with someone, or you with, and they're talking? And they're talking to you, but you don't know they're talking to you. And then they ask you for a response, and you say, oh, were you talking to me? Now, your ears were working. You were in close proximity, but you could not hear what they said because you didn't think they were talking to you. Well, if the Lord spoke, that, that, that wouldn't happen. Jesus says, go into all the world. What do you say? I can't go. You can't be talking to me. I'm too old. I'm too young. I got kids. My spouse won't let me. I don't have the money. I don't have the training. So therefore, he can't be speaking to me. He says, give to the poor. You say, I'm poor. <laughs> I'm open for business. <laughs> give to me. He can't mean for me to be generous. Because I'm a victim. He can't mean for me to be generous because I, I only have eight pair of shoes. And if I gave five of them away and wore my turquoise outfit, I wouldn't match. <laughs> so he can't be speaking to me. But if he would just speak, then I would know. There's an example in the Bible. The Father spoke from heaven. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. So he said, what happened? Somebody else said it was thunder. He can't be talking to me. Point number five. Therefore, through all this, Jesus, just magnificent, Jesus led her to the most important aspect of worship, the truth about her own spiritual condition. The woman was confronted with the necessity for internal truth as well as doctrinal correctness. Truth. Even internal truth. Give you an example, another example recently. Supreme Court ruled on a particular issue. I'm not going to speak to the issue. Don't send me an email that I didn't endorse or condemn the, the thing that the Supreme Court, I won't answer it. Nine of the finest legal minds in the United States, given decades of their lives to the study and the interpretation of law. Those nine people sat 
and heard the same evidence, the same arguments from the same attorneys, read the same law, deliberated for the same amount of time, and five voted one way, and four voted the other way. If we only had the truth. But see, where we start from in interpreting the truth impacts how we interpret the truth. Now, those who don't agree with the five consider them the devil, and those who don't agree with the four consider them the devil. And Jesus says, I got to raise the spiritual level here because you'll never agree. The truth that I want you to have is not five versus four. The truth that's most important for us to establish the relationship is the only truth you can control. It's the truth about you. Jesus was not telling the woman that doctrinal correctness, in this case, an accurate understanding of who he is, was not important. He was telling her it was only part of the recipe for salvation. She needed to mix doctrinal truth with personal truth. King David understood this when he went through a sordid time in his life. He wrote Psalm 51. It says, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. John wrote in his first epistle, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. See, if I'm going to speak to racism, it starts with me. And I am as prone to racism as anyone. I don't care what doctrine I believe. I don't care how long I've walked with the Lord. I have to start with that openness. Jesus described it this way. Before you operate on the speck that's in somebody else's eye, take out the boulder that's in your own. Then, then, doesn't say ignore the speck, but you don't start there, you start here. That's why my social media is, I'm not trying to jab at this conservative Republican and this godless liberal and this person and that person. I'm just broadcasting the testimony of what God's doing in my life. And some brother came up to me today. I said, I love your Facebook page. I love what you do with it. Because every day there's, there's fresh manna of what God has given me. That's the truth. And a lot of the truth is self-directed. I don't think I stand up here because I've reached some spirit. Yes, there is a level of spiritual maturity, but I'm a disciple. I'm a member who happens to have a gift of publicly speaking from time to time. That's the only difference. Years ago when I was involved in Promise Keepers, the Native American pastor 
spoke and was, made some profound statements, said, the white man took our land. White man ravaged our women. White man committed genocide, took our food supply. So those few white men brought me Jesus. He said, when I stood before the Father, I saw that I was as guilty in the presence of God as those white men. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And those who are forgiven much, love much. We're called to be dispensers of grace. That doesn't mean we ignore the truth. It just means the rock, we remember the rock from which we have been cut. And that's what Jesus is trying to get this woman to. Now, I'm impressed with her honesty. When Jesus said, go get your husband, she's going to say, this guy, is, he's passing through. I said, I could, listen, he's working. He can't come right now. She could go home and say, put the remote down, put the beer can down, go get dressed. We're going to see a preacher man. And he's, when he asks you, you tell him, you're my husband, and then shut up. I got this from here. <laughs> but he says, go get your husband. She says, I don't have one. <laughs> he said, you're right, you don't. You've had five. And the guy you're shacking up with right now, he's not your husband. She said, you really spoke the truth. He wasn't impressed with her mountain discussion. He wasn't impressed with the well. He wasn't impressed with her spiritual heritage, but he was really impressed with her honesty. It's remarkable. As a last resort, point six, she then tried to sidetrack Jesus with a religious strategy. She just... Even though she was startled at Jesus' insight into her life, she still could not break free from the gravitational pull of doctrinal and, re and, and religious discussions. He said, you're right. The guy you're with now is not your husband. She said, I love the, new King, the King James Version translated, and, and it says, Sir, I doth perceive that you are a prophet. <laughs> but our fathers say we should worship here. <laughs> She's not ready. Just, just that moment to deal with the reality of she's morally bankrupt. But the universe's moral banker is there and is willing to extend her a free loan. Point number seven for me is, is the highlight of this story every time I read it. Because the women's, the women's tactics... And her honesty did not disqualify her from Jesus revealing himself to her. Hey, well, well you living with some acting. You, you get yourself right and you kind. When I come back the next time I go to a festival, maybe we'll talk. But you just move out of that house. And you get you. And you. Now, if I'm reading John correctly, there are two people. Most of the time, Jesus engaged his own rope-a-dope philosophy. Who are you? Who do men say that I am? And he'd get people flailing around and picking up stones, and then he was gone. Two people he revealed himself to. In John 9, the man born blind, that magnificent gentleman who went toe-to-toe -to -toe with his spiritual leaders and came out with a draw. 
And when Jesus met him, he said, I am he, and the man worshipped him. The second is this woman. After all Jesus told her about her, and after all she had said, he says, I'm the one. She says, we know Messiah is going to come, and he's going to teach us, he's going to reveal to us all the truth. He said, I'm it. He just came from Jerusalem. He didn't do that in Jerusalem. He does it at Sakar, Samaria, to the Jaja Gabor of her generation. And some of you young people are saying, what are you talking about? <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor. No, that doesn't help either. See, our foundation of a relationship with the Lord is not just the doctrinal truth of who he is. It has to be mixed with who we are, not were, are. And what we see in the woman's life wasn't just to happen once and then get on with it, because that's the tendency. We think I should be in a different place. You know, especially in ministry, I have to love all the people, so I have to act like I love all the people. But that's not solving the problem. I have to say, God, I don't want to be with this person. I don't have a root canal before I want to be with this person. <laughs> Deliver, if there's any way this cup can pass, you know, let it pass from my lips. But just don't. No, Lord, I got a problem. That doesn't disqualify me from ministry. That qualifies me. Because I'm no longer pretending to be who I think I'm supposed to be. I'm opening myself in truth for the God of the universe to change me into who he wants me to be. See, the point to remember is that God requires those who worship him to pursue and then walk in two kinds of truth, doctrinal and personal. Let's bow our heads. Now, the personal truth starts with an encounter with Jesus where we say, God, we need help. We are not a very nice person. My life is a mess. See, we're afraid to do that. We think it's going to disqualify us. So we are, people say, well, I won't come to church until I get my act together. No, you come to church and then you get your act together. You don't get your act together and come to church. If you're here today and you've said that, but today you've got to be honest with God of where you are and who you are. If this is your day, if this is your hour to do that, heads bowed, eyes closed, just raise your hand where you are. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to drag you out of your chair. Who's here and says, I need, thank you, in the back, somebody else. Yes, thank you. Someone else. Thank you. Thank you. Balcony, anybody. I don't know who you are. You won't impress me if you raise your hand. You won't impress me if you don't. I don't care. It's between you and the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Someone in the balcony. Someone, two more. Wow, praise the Lord. Father, for those whose hands are raised, may they follow in the steps of the woman at the well. And may they embrace the reality of who they are today, but more importantly, embrace the reality of who you are. And may they, like her, come to a new life because of what you show them today. Amen. Now, heads bowed still. If you raised your hands or should have raised your hand, I want to ask you to do one thing as we close. If you go out the back... Or you come down the stairs, you'll, you, if you go out the back, you make a left, go straight ahead, there's a prayer room. 
It's not too much to ask you to start this new life by going in there and telling a counselor in there what you raised your hand. And you're ready to follow the steps of the woman at the well and follow Jesus, not pretending to be who you're not, but in the reality of who you are so he can change you into who he wants you to be. Now, heads still bowed, eyes closed. Maybe during this message, God spoke to some of you. Maybe a little self-righteousness has crept in. Maybe there's some honesty and reality that God wants you to uh, have some time with him so you can know, not be hiding or running away. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Keep your hands up. Yep. Mm -hmm. You're among friends. Father, for those whose hands are raised, I pray that you would affirm in their hearts and minds once and for all you're not out to get them that they don't have to pretend to be anybody else but who they are where they are at this point in time and lord help them to see that this isn't just today this is an ongoing process that is you they are honest with you you will meet them more than halfway and your grace will be abundantly sufficient to help them Go where they need to go and do what they need to do. In Jesus' name, amen. One more thing, a little addendum. We're not going to look at any more, but if you're familiar with the story, the woman left her jug at the well and went back to her village and made an announcement that she had met a man. Now, nobody in the village was particularly surprised that she had met a man. She collected men like some women collect charms on a bracelet. It was a gift of sorts. And in some ways it was. Because now she went back to her village in the truth of who she was. And she became an evangelist. And she grabbed everybody in the village. They said, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. And they all came out. That's the power of her influence in the community. And after two days, they all said, we believe he is who he says he is. Not because of what she said. We believe it for ourselves. Brothers and sisters, if you're going to be effective for God, if you're going to release the purpose and the gift that God has for you, this procedure is still the way you need to walk. Be honest with God. Keep short accounts. And God will pour his grace out on you so you can do and be the things you wanted to do and be for him. In Jesus' name, amen. God.